You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Big Show, Hour 4, continuing on your uh, Wednesday morning. Patrick Domu, Patrick Dumas, Alex Brody. Canucks, they were in action last night, taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. Flames still have two more games against them as uh, uh, they'll be out in Vancouver as we get down to the nitty-gritty here as we're down to the final three weeks of the NHL season. We go down the Atlas Pizza Sports Bar Guest Hotline, and I'm joined by the host of Hockey Night in Canada in Punjabi and Canucks game analyst on Sportsnet 650, Randeep Janda. How are we doing today, Randeep? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. Doing all right here. Uh, last night's big night last night is the Canucks for Kids Telethon. I, I, I think it's probably the biggest night of the year for you guys. How did that night go aside from the game? Just overall, what was the, what was the atmosphere like with all that? Yeah, it's always a great night um, when the Canucks for Kids Fund Telethon is going on. You know, giving back to the community. I know I haven't seen the updated number yet. I'm sure that'll be coming out at some point today. But uh, I had the pleasure of hosting last year with Elliot Friedman, yeah. and we hit over uh, uh, 750,000. So uh, I'm looking forward to to hearing the number this year. And uh, Elliot was in town again. You know, the yeah. man that's <laughs> traveling all over all over the country. I think he came in straight from Dallas and then basically left him. So. Uh, just, a, just a great vibe in the arena and a lot of those stories that, you know, being shared uh, during the game that are going on in the community and some of that work that's been done with the Canucks for Kids Fund and the Telethon, uh, just being shared through the game. So a celebration of community, but uh, good on the community for stepping up. And as I know, as I know, um, you know, so much of the work that they do, um, it, it just makes such a impact in the community. Yeah, it's truly, it's it's really what matters is getting it out into the community for sure. And you also had the privilege of hosting uh, the United by Hockey Mobile Museum is paying homage to right. hockey trailblazers. Uh, how did that go it was before, uh, before the game started last night? Yeah, it's pretty cool. This uh, For folks that don't know that this uh, museum is a mobile museum. It's going to every NHL city and it highlights people from, you know, the history of hockey that, that you know, were change makers yeah. that, you know, look. You look back at history, whether it's Larry Kwong, Herb Carnegie, Willie O'Ree. Go through the list of people uh, to present day people that are are doing. Uh, you know, kind of helping to write a story in, in the sport of hockey and and make it more inclusive and diverse. And uh, I'm honored to be involved in it, uh, uh, along with some of my colleagues, Harn Ryan Singh, I'm Ruth Gill from Hockey Night in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, Punjabi as well. So had a great event yesterday. We'll meet and greet uh, in Vancouver, and I know. Uh, the mobile museum is on its way to Alberta as well. So if you have a chance over the next little bit, um, make sure to go check it out because there's so many stories in there that I think, you know, hockey fans know of maybe some individuals, yeah. but uh, you, when you go back in history, when you go to present day players and change makers, there's, there's a lot to learn. They're pretty cool exhibit. And uh, I was really fortunate, actually, somebody from, um, you know, hockey for youth, uh, an organization, a national organization, they came by and gave me a, a Larry Kwong uh, hockey card, which wow. I, I never had. So I've, I, I got a little gift from it. So the meet and greet was cool for me as well because uh, I, I got a really cool uh, hockey card out of it. That's so cool. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. I'll have to find out when that's uh, here in Calgary, if it's here tomorrow or on Saturday afternoon. That'll be pretty neat. Uh, okay, so the Canucks, they're playing pretty good hockey. They were 8-2 and two before in their last 10 before last night. Now, Rick Tockett, obviously, he's there to, to coach and get his style through and his, what he wants to do going forward with this group. But on the, out, on the other side, playing more and more out of the Bedard-type sweepstake, getting those odds lower and lower. What's the, the vibe there around the fan base with how the team's playing while also you know losing out a little bit on those uh, lottery odds? 
Yeah, there's been uh, conflicted feelings here yeah. because the way that the Vancouver Canucks played earlier on this year, and you know, I joined you a few times uh, during the season, mm-hmm. it was a pretty dire situation in Vancouver. Nothing was going right. Uh, the way that you know Bruce Boudreau firing was dealt with yeah. was not fun. Trading your captain is never fun. However, uh, in the last little bit, there has been optimism, and, and Rick Tockett has really brought a lot of accountability to this team that hey, you're going to have to play a certain way and do your job. First and foremost, do your job. Don't worry about the rest of the team. Now, that comes with some positives. The team has been winning, but to your point, when you're not making the playoffs, um, you know, there's an expectation of the, the local kids maybe coming to the yep. Vancouver Canucks, that dream. And, uh, yeah, obviously they've worked themselves out of that. But here's the thing. Here's the difference. In previous years, when Vancouver would have that late winning streak during the season, it was powered by players you'd never heard of and you'd probably never hear of again. Matthew Highmore scored goals for the Vancouver Canucks last year down the stretch, and he's now nowhere near the Vancouver Canucks organization. There was always a, all right, these guys are, are you know, putting in goals and getting them wins, but they don't mean anything in the long term. Yeah. This year it's a little different because two things. Rick Tockett and the style that he's playing is more defensively responsible. So you're saying, okay, this structure, they're staying power there. Structure is something that the Canucks have lacked. Secondly, they're having monster contributions from players that actually do matter in the long term. Quinn Hughes is playing all world right now, almost, you know, 26, 27 minutes a game. And he is, you know, breaking records left, right, and center. Elias Pedersen has been an absolute powerhouse for this team. Didn't have the greatest of games last night. But if you look at what he's been able to do, he's going to be a 100-point scorer this year, and that's, yeah. you know, that's significant for this guy. And J.T. Miller, uh, J.T. Miller has been you know, a different player under Rick Tockett. So I understand the frustration from Canucks fans because it is there, no question. You're saying, how can you get another franchise player in the system? But you also have to look at the players that are taking that step up with Rick Tockett and are being more accountable. And that's why it's a little different this year compared to, you know, Yuho Lamico and Tyler Mott and, <laughs> and Matthew Heimer putting up points in the past. Would it, does it feel right now with, like, I know there were, the, there were the rumors around the JT Miller, around the trade deadline, oh, is Pittsburgh going to be involved? Is somebody else going to be involved? Does it feel like that's kind of gone away, or is that still something that they might revisit uh, come draft day, come free agency, is potentially moving that, that money out of JT Miller? Or is this a guy that, hey, he's pretty good with Rick Tockett, and this guy can score 40 goals in this league? Well, heading into this, you know, the question I had about JT Miller was, can he be a center? Because when he was signed uh, to that, that big deal that kicks in next year, and Bo Horvat was still on the team, the expectation was, okay, JT Miller hasn't been good enough defensively, hasn't been responsible enough uh, from a defensive perspective. And really, at the beginning of the year, he did not play well offensively either. So the question of can he be a center was a yeah. prominent one for me. Since Tockett's taken over, he's been a different player. He's been better defensively. He's been a player that is, when he's on the ice five on five, he has been the better player on the ice. Their Canucks are more likely to score goals and give up goals, and that's exactly what you want from uh, you know, a, a center playing in that top six. And even going back in the last three games, he's put up seven points, and he's just, there's, a, there's a leadership around him where um, you look at him and he's, he's embraced that leader role. And I think there was a a moment, maybe the first couple of weeks of Tockett taking over, that Rick Tockett mentioned something right off the bat, said, I don't care, you know, about guys smashing sticks and, and you know, yelling. And that was, in a lot of ways, didn't say J.T. Miller, but he definitely said J.T. Miller through that comment <laughs> to say, hey, do your work and enough of this stuff that we see on video clips and we see, you know, you're focusing on your teammates. 
And since then, I have to say JT Miller has responded. Now, the question of does this quiet the trade talk uh, element, until that no trade clause kicks in, yeah. uh, anything is possible. So, you know, that's going to happen this summer. But the way that Miller has shown uh, in the last little bit here uh, that he can be a difference maker, he can be a guy that you can be relied on. And one key thing here, the Philip Peronic deal, if they, that, they made that trade, they, they shipped out the New York Islanders first-round pick that they picked up in the, the Bull Horvath mm. deal. That was also a signal of intent from the team to say, hey, this is not a rebuild. We're bringing in quality players right now. And if you want to be competitive and win in the next three to four years, at least be in and around the playoffs, which is you know, why you signed that J.T. Miller deal, why you go after Philip Ronick. I would assume, you know, J.T. Miller has to, to feature prominently in that lineup because if you trade him and you take a, you know, a step back in terms of skill, um, it doesn't make sense with the Philip Ronick deal. So to me, I think this means that, you know, J.T. Miller is going to be a Canuck for a while, but never say never until that trade uh, clause kicks in. But I, I think the intention of the team is clear now that they want to be back in the playoffs next year and Miller in the lineup, it makes them a better team. And I, I guess another impact guy in all this, and it kind of correlates with the way the team's playing, is Thatcher Demko coming back from injury last night. It could have been a heck of a lot worse than it was after getting down 2 nothing. Demko obviously standing on his head to make a bunch of big saves, and he's, that's what he's been like. Go back to Saturday against L.A. That was a Thatcher Demko-type win. Is this a guy that, okay, he's on a still really good contract. I believe he's 24 still. Like, this is a young guy. What are we doing if we want to ship this guy off? This could be our goalie for the next decade. Yeah, I never really got that conversation because with Thatcher Demko, it feels like people forgot how good he can yeah. be. And, you know, a rough start to the year. And, you know, this is not reporting anything, but just the way he played at the beginning of the year makes it seem like he wasn't right. And whatever mm. procedure he had in the off season, he just never had firm footing to start off the year. But as you've seen in the nine games that he's played since coming back from injury, you know, his save percentage is, is up there. It's in the, you know, 925. His, um, he's provided this team with confidence that reminds me of last year. And somebody, you know, I look at when he came in, you know, and became the starter, there was very minimal, um, you know, worry from a Canucks fan base about how do you replace Jacob Markstrom? Because Demko came in and said, yep, I can control this. I can do this. Mm -hmm. And, Earlier this year, yeah, there were definitely you know cracks in his game, and he was not confident. The team was giving up steam passes left, right, and center. There was high degree of difficulty on all the saves. But since he's been back, uh, he's been dynamite. The t team defense is much better. The penalty kill is much better. But I think you know that discussion about trade um, and would he be on the market uh, to me, it never made sense for two reasons. Because a he is, when he is healthy, in my opinion, I think he's a top five goaltender in the league. And I don't really know if he's actually been given, you know, the opportunity to have a long enough run there. He's got to build up that sample size. But when he's going, he's going. And the second thing is, even just from a trade value perspective, trading him at that point when he was not playing well, mm -hmm. it really, really, you know, cuts down your, your return. Your return. Yeah. So exactly. So that whole discussion about him being a trade you know, target for other teams, I understand why other teams would go after him, buy low. You know, the guy, you, you believe in his game. But from a Canucks perspective, I never got that. Yeah, sorry, he's 27. He's 27, not 24. But still yeah. still young. He's still, you know, reaching that peak as a, as a goaltender is where you want. But, yeah, this is a guy that, in the long term, I think Vancouver definitely want to keep for sure. Uh, let's spark the conversation on the Canucks. Let's go shift around the NHL a little bit. This yeah. Western Conference wildcard race, three teams that, you know, essentially just keep shooting themselves in the foot 
over and over again. And maybe it's a little unfair to Nashville because, you know, what they've done with trading all their guys and still being in this race. But how do you feel like this wild card race is going to shake down? You know, Winnipeg, Nashville win as well tomorrow or yesterday and Calgary wins, but they're still four points out. Where is this wild card race going to finish, you think? Yeah, for that second spot especially, it feels like you got to be playing the Benny Hill music sometimes yep. where it's just a <laughs> calamity of errors, right? And and I don't have to tell your audience that, nope. uh, you know, Calgary's just been, it's been such a weird season where, you know, in certain games, they look like world beaters. They look like, you know, they, they beat the Vegas Golden Knights and, you know, by a lot in that, what was it, 7-2 game. Um, and you're looking, you're feeling good about yourself on March 16th, and then you get shellacked a few days later by the LA Kings mm-hmm. and, a couple of things, right? Like the consistency or the lack thereof is, is something that Flames fans um, can relate to. But the Winnipeg Jets, and, and this is where I look at both of these teams, they are, you know, they've got that, that element where with Winnipeg, you know, when Connor Hellebuck is going, uh, he can beat anybody. He can win a series, um, you know, but they have been rather inconsistent. Scoring has been an issue for them. They haven't been able to, to get that regularly enough. And, mm-hmm. and really, uh, discipline's been an issue. Um, you know, and, and that's something that Rick Bonus has been pretty clear about. But with Calgary, I understand there's an unlucky aspect to this. You know, the one-goal games. 41 uh, the of goals, them. 41 of them. You know, losses in one-goal games. What, 26? 26 one-goal losses. A lot, a lot of post-hit this year. which is 77! You got this number memorized. I love it. But, you know, this whole thing, to me, it's unlucky. But at the same time, you know, I think Blake Coleman said something last month about not finding, you know, we're a, we're a veteran team or an experienced team, but we, we have a hard time, you know, winning those games. We can't win those games. And, and at some point, if you don't figure that out by game 70, 75, that becomes a part of your personality for that year. So it is going to be a bit of a, um, you know, I'm really curious to see how this turns out because you're right. Winnipeg and Calgary have been have been teams that have been extremely inconsistent. You can't rely on them, but just Nashville, you know, <laughs> just just hanging around. And that's a team you got to be like. I'm not a huge believer in the Nashville Predators because um, you know that that team to me. I think that high in talent is something without Philip Forsberg. It's a, yeah. it's something that's difficult uh, to maintain. But they're hanging around there, and if Calgary and Winnipeg keep that door open. Uh, with UC Soros, you know, you can win a couple of games. And, and, and that's why I still think Winnipeg is a team to, you know, they're, they're ahead in the standings. They're the team that when I look at that team on paper, I just say, okay, this team should be excelling this time of the year, especially with Rick Bonus as a coach. But, you know, it's anybody's game. It is a bit of a, that Benny Hill music. Yeah. Uh, you know, it feels like sometimes you're going you're gonna to see a great game from Calgary or Winnipeg and another night. You have a uh, an A two loss. I know that with the Winnipeg, they get the two nothing lead yesterday, and it was like for forty minutes they had to hold off the Arizona Coyotes, and we know all what the Coyotes are are uh, about right now. Uh, keeping it in the West, I think the Oilers overall, I think they have a rest a roster that can win the Stanley Cup, but it's going to come down to that 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 goaltending. L A Vegas also looking good. The West is starting to show. I think maybe five capable Stanley Cup finalists: Dallas, Colorado and the top three in the Pacific. Would you agree? Yeah, I look at, you know, the team that I didn't think would be this good at the beginning of the year is the Dallas Stars. Yeah. I, I, you know, they've been really excellent in terms of Pete DeBoer and going there. And when we talk about, you know, teams that are kind of retooling on the fly or it feels like Dallas did that. They got Jamie Benn coming back in 
and he's a lot healthier. He looks a lot faster. Yeah, no, he looks a lot. His skating is not labored. The last few years, it looked like he was struggling to skate. But, you know, Jason Robertson taking that next step. Uh, You know, Joe Pavelski still being a top-line player. Rope Hintz, like, they've been able to retool on the fly here. And, you know, in in the end, I still think it's going to be Colorado that is the top dog. They're two points behind Dallas. Mm -hmm. They've got the star power. You expect them to get healthier slowly and surely. But when I think about the, the contender right now, for me, it's Colorado. Um, but in the Pacific, uh, the LA Kings are showing something this mm-hmm. year. They're showing that, you know, if they can get consistent enough goaltending, and that was a huge problem with Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick. Now you've got Jonas Corposalo, who played on a dismal team yep. in Columbus, but his numbers were still pretty solid considering the defense and the team that was playing in front of them. I look at that LA Kings team and say, okay, you don't maybe have the home run hitting talent. Kevin Fiala's played well when he's been healthy this year. You don't have those those you know guys that can put up you know three, four, five point nights on any given night like Edmonton does. Mm-hmm. But in the playoffs, a tight checking game and you know just grinding out games and having that ability to beat you. To me, LA and Vegas are the ones in the Pacific that I'm looking to say in the playoffs. You don't want to necessarily play those. So if I were to pick, I think two, maybe three teams: Colorado in the Central, no doubt. Uh, they're that team, but I look at LA and I say that is a tough matchup for Edmonton this year compared to last year. Wow. Last year you got Drysdale McDavid. This year the LA Kings are a more mature team. They mm-hmm. expect to be there. Last year I think they were very surprised to be there. This year they've got they've got some staying power. Yeah, LA is certainly a team to watch. They just the way they play defensively, and I think they're just so so well coached with Todd McClellan. I think that guy mm-hmm. doesn't get enough love uh, as it is around the league. Uh, Eastern Conference wildcard race is probably down to three teams as well. Islanders, Penguins, and Panthers. Matthew Kachuk uh, putting the Panthers on his back. He's going to get another 100-point year. The Penguins have only missed the postseason once in the Crosby era. That was his rookie year. If the Islanders are in, who do you think it's going to come down to, Penguins or Panthers? And who do you want to see in the Eastern Conference playoffs? Yeah, I think, you know, Ideally, I'd like to see the Pittsburgh Penguins in the playoffs because I just hate the idea of wasting away years of some of the best yeah. players we've ever seen. And, you know, with Sidney Crosby, you want to see him in the playoffs because that's where you really see what he's able to do. He's, he's had an unbelievable year this year, which is being, in a lot of ways, overshadowed. Um, you know, Connor McDavid's doing what he's doing. We've seen so many great performances across the league. But when I look at that Florida versus Pittsburgh uh, matchup, down the stretch here. Uh, I want to see Pittsburgh there just based on the fact that, you know, you have two of the best players that we've seen over the last, you know, 20 years. And Gino Malkin, he's, when he's in the mood to this day, he can, he can take over a game. Uh, But when you look at Pittsburgh or Florida for that matter, uh, they're a first round exit. So, you know, (laughs) that's really the reality there. (laughs) That's the the reality, right? Like I'd love to see them in the playoffs, but they're not consistent enough in Pittsburgh, you know, coming back with the same crew is one thing where you, you paid, you know, Gino Malkin, you paid Brian Rust, you paid Chris Letang. But the moves that they made at the trade deadline, picking up Mikael Granlin, um, those aren't – there were other moves probably out there. You had to give up a little bit more. And this whole, you know, last hurrah with, you know, Pittsburgh, I know they've got a couple of years here, but this one, even though they do make the playoffs, and maybe they do, maybe they don't, I, I just feel like they don't have that staying power in the playoffs. Part of it is because, you know, the game-changing talent, obviously mm-hmm. – Crosby and Malkin are going to do what they do. But, like, you look at the goaltending, that's a worrying situation, right? Tristan Jari, Casey DeSmith, uh, you weren't able to address that position at the deadline, Ron Hextall. So, 
you know, that's the, that's the situation in, in Pittsburgh. And even though, you know, I'd like to see them, they've lost four of their last five. They got Colorado coming up too. So it's advantage Florida right now, mm-hmm. but yeah, Pittsburgh is the team I would selfishly like to see in the playoffs. Cause I just don't like seeing great players miss the playoffs. Yeah. That's a completely uh, fair point as well. And, uh, you know, they also don't know how many more are they going to get a chance at this, and then you get a first round opponent like the Boston Bruins. It's like, eh, yep. just getting in, like who knows? But uh, thank you so. Or actually, one more for you, Randy. Uh, Fanatics, uh, they're taking over as NHL uniform manufacturer twenty four twenty five. Uh, safe to say, the consensus yesterday on social media was not great. Uh, but we also found I also found out in the reading that they've been making MLB jerseys for the last five years, and Nike just slaps the swoosh on it. What are your mm. thoughts on Fanatics taking over as the NHL uh, uniform affair, uh, maker? Yeah, first thing is uh, people are very passionate about jerseys. Oh my god, yeah, and foremost, uh, yeah, <laughs> because the thing that I saw, whether it was like videos on TikTok, whether it was tweets going out, people were not happy about this. But um, two things, right? And I think there's been some some mess ups. Uh, I saw a New York Islanders t-shirt sent out to somebody that was actually the Rangers logo. So Fanatics was creating that. Uh, Not a great look for the company. But when you you go to the game of jerseys, when you step up to the big leagues, you got to get it right. So I'm willing to give them a chance. Uh, I think Adidas has done a very good job Mm -hmm. uh, over the last little bit. Anytime you make uh, the change from one provider to another, like I come from a a soccer background to a certain extent too. I'm an English Premier League fan. So, you know, companies switch Every all year, the time. every couple yeah. of years, basically, yeah. all the time, right? You go from Nike to Adidas, Adidas to Puma, whatever. Um, so I'm a little bit more open to it, mm-hmm. but you, you can't mess it up. You can't have those mess-ups for team jerseys. Uh, you can't throw a Flames jer- uh, logo on a Canucks jersey. If that happens, um, <laughs> oh boy. all hell will break loose. <laughs> They'll just put the, the orca through the flame, and it'll, it'll work. <laughs> although, although you guys have, you know, gathered half of the Canucks team from 2019, 2020 there, so it makes sense. It, it does feel like that, and it has been like that way for a while. <laughs> okay, Randy, thank you very much uh, for this. We'll do this again soon. Uh, all the best uh, the rest of the year, and uh, yeah, thank you. Perfect. Thanks very much for having me, and uh, take care, and uh, good luck to the Flames. We'll yeah. see how that works out. Hopefully we got some some something to talk about here in April. All right, thank you so much, Randy. Thanks. There you go. That's Randy Janda, host of Hockey Night in Punjabi and Canucks game analyst over on Sportsnet 650. Joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using that same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. No Flames tonight. They are uh, off. Uh, They're on their way back to Calgary. They'll be taking on the Vegas Golden Knights tomorrow. Uh, It is a Calgary-Hitman game day. Uh, they are taking on the Lethbridge Hurricanes this evening down in Lethbridge. 7 o'clock start right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, uh, Calgary still holding on to that playoff spot, that seventh spot in the Eastern Conference. Didn't get a lot of help yesterday as Swift Current came back over the Edmonton Oil Kings. So uh, no chance to clinch this evening. Uh, but yes, a uh, uh, win will do them quite well as they are two points up on Swift Current for that final playoff spot. Uh, and they are one point up on Medicine Hat. But it's a big one tonight down in Lethbridge between the Hitmen and the Hurricanes. Um, Brad Curl will have the call on that one. Uh, up next, the Jeff Merrick Show. Uh, Elliot Friedman uh, not joining the show today. Scott Laughlin will be joining at 10.05. Uh, Sam Cosentino will join the show at 10.35. Stephen Valaket, former Rangers uh, Rangers analyst and president of CEO of ClearSight Analytics. And at, one th- at 11.30, Josh Yo 
from The Athletic. That's next. Uh, still no uh, Jeff Merrick. Matt Marchese hosting that one as well. Uh, for everyone involved in today, I want to thank our guests, Jeff Blair, Eric Francis, Anthony Stewart, and, of course, Randy Bjanda. They joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. For Alex Brody, I'm Patrick Dumas. Well, I'm not here tomorrow, but I'll be back Friday, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. on Sportsnet Today. Uh, again, Jeff Merrick shows up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.